Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dustin Prager. Dustin Prager is the Chief Financial Officer at Olympic Companies, Inc. in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He graduated from St. Cloud State University, where he double majored in accounting and finance. He started out in public accounting, where he worked in tax, audit, and advisory services, with a focus in construction and manufacturing while earning his CPA license. After public accounting, he took a job for a publicly traded medical device company. He then became controller at a $500 million pipeline construction company owned by Centerpoint Energy. Most recently, he was brought on to Olympic as their controller and was promoted to CFO after just six short months. Dustin, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So today's topic is advice from a young CFO on getting to the top and making your mark. And Dustin, I'm looking forward to hearing some great stories and learning from both your successes and challenges. So let's just jump right in. As a new CFO and a relatively young one at that, what are some of the challenges that you've encountered? Yeah, I would I would say my biggest challenge is is getting into that CFO level. So maybe I'll just touch on that. I think in any industry, and I think any candidate interviewing for a job, they run into that same situation. They want to they want to take a step up, but that step up is always asking for more experience. And or you know a CFO when they're interviewing or wanting a CFO to come in, they want one with experience. So how do you get that without? you know, having the opportunity first. So I I found that out was a pretty big challenge and taking, uh, interviewing for the job at Olympic, they were, uh, initially just looking for that controller role, but it was to replace their CFO that's been here 30 years. So what we talked about and, and what I kind of pitched to them is that I'll come in as a controller. I really don't even care what I get paid, but once you know this happens this happens and this happens one and once you guys are satisfied and kind of you know put an expectation or some measurement to it you know then i would like that title that responsibility and and then the compensation we talked about too so i kind of gave them an opportunity as as essentially a trial run to test it out and kind of prove myself so that's that's how i was able to get over that initial hump of everybody wanting experience, but yeah, Yeah, trying to get that. It's like the chicken and the egg. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which one comes first? Yeah. Um, So yeah, that took, and and, you know, you needed someone, you needed that opportunity to be open to that too. Absolutely. um, Yeah. I've always found that the best way for a promotion is to be, you know, performing the work of the role you're wanting. So that was a great negotiation tactic on your part. Yeah, exactly. It, it worked out. And then, so I think they were, uh, their thoughts. So there was an interim CFO from the accounting firm that was in on um, the last year and a half that was filling in for the, the previous CFO that's been here for, that was here for a while. And I think they were thinking like a, a six month transition period. And I just told him in the interview, I said, you know, if he's still here with me six months from now, one of us are doing something wrong. So I think, you know, 
it happened sooner than what they were thinking, but yeah, it kind of gave us a win-win situation. And then, yeah, within six months, the start of this year, I got that promotion. So it worked out really well. And I think yeah. they're pretty happy. too. Well, congrats on that. Yeah. That's, that's great. What advice can you give to other young finance and accounting professionals or young professionals in general, hoping to move up the ranks and get to the top position? Yeah, I, um, that's a really good question because I, I've struggled with that in my career and I want to, you know, people want to do it quickly and sometimes that's out of your control. So my advice would be when you're working with your employer or your boss, and I do this with my people too, is I think it's okay to lay out your expectations. And I don't know if you need to set a certain time limit, maybe like a range, like if you want to be somewhere in two years, maybe say two to four or you know, something like that, because it's going to be very hard to say, okay, the day's the day. Now I want this. So as far as timing, I would be more open to that. But what I've always strived for is I want to know that opportunity's there. And then I want to work towards it. And I want to, I want to have a, you know, as the employee, I want to have a clear path to that. So I think it's perfectly fine. And, and hopefully you can be in a situation where you're talking with your supervisor you know, what does this look like? What do I have to do to get to this point? What does the compensation look like? What are my responsibilities? And you might not get a crystal clear answer, but I think you can gain some information. And then, you know, kind of look at your surroundings and look at the details, you know, who's above you? How long do you think they're going to be here? And I always assess that. And it's worked where, you know, to a certain extent where I think my supervisor or my boss is like, you know, I already talked about this with Dustin, you know, we said, if this happens, if he's doing this well, you know, this will happen. And, you know, they're gonna either do it or don't. And then at that time, you have as much information on whether you want to give them more time, or you need to move on because you're not happy and, and you're not feeling good about how fast you can move up or, or where you want to go. Yeah, that's definitely great advice. So are there any particular stories that stand out in your mind as turning points in your career? Yeah, um, I have a couple. You know, the biggest one that taught me to be what, you know, what kind of financial employee or executive I want to be in. I learned a pretty good lesson in public accounting. It was um, my, uh, the partner that I was working for at, uh, the accounting firm was Boulay and he was a partner there and very early on, you know, you got to, you kind of got the gist of how public accounting works. They, they throw a lot of work at you. You know, you can be working on 30 different clients at once. And, you know, one of my first projects I went to hand in, you know, I can't remember if it was a tax return and an audit or, or, or how it worked, but I handed it in and he turned back and said, okay, why don't you go ahead and send that to the client and I'll sign it. And I was taken back. I was like, what do you mean? You know, aren't you going to look at it? And he's like, well, I'm assuming that if you're handing it to me, you're comfortable enough that it should go to the client. So that was a really big lesson that two things, you know, you want to hand in a, a finished product, but two, your job, you know, I think is to make your boss's job easier and to, and to try to handle more stuff for them and do that and take some, you know, take some worry away from them. So 
that's what I've always strived to do. And I think it's helped me out in my career progression. So I always, I always like that story because it kind of taught you what kind of accountant or financial person you want to be. Yeah, that's a great um, story. I got uh, the other one I can think of that's, I don't know, I'm kind of an open book. So I'll tell you a little <laughs> bit of a, a, kind of an embarrassing story. Sure. Um, Love those. <laughs> okay. I was, you know, I've been at a few different places and I've, you know, I've early on, I usually got the job I was interviewing for, but once you got, um, once you are interviewing for higher level jobs, you know, that's not always the case. And I was interviewing for, I think it was a VP of finance role and it was a, it was a small company. It was before this one. And I think it was a, I don't know, maybe a $25 million asphalt construction company. And I got the interview, you know, I was working with the recruiter and I got the interview through the recruiter, but it was taking a while and I'm a little bit impatient. So I, um, I, I messaged the owner on LinkedIn and just say, Hey, I wanted to introduce myself. You know, I'd love to interview with you. And, and that actually went over really well. And I ended up getting the interview uh, that way. But once I wasn't interviewing with him, I was interviewing with the GM and a, another gentleman. And once I got in there, first of all, they made me wait for a long time. I think I was waiting for like 30 minutes. So it was 30 minutes late and I got in there and the vibe was just really off. So, and I was like, you know, do you guys even want me here? And, you know, I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. And then the, you know, the questions came out pretty normal. And then they asked me about my resume. You know, I've been at a few different places and, and, you know, I, I touched on this before, you know, you might want to move if the environment's not what you want or you're not getting what you want, but you also run the risk of, you know, jumping around too much. And this is, this came into play in this interview and, he, he told me straight out that, you know, we see you've jumped around quite a bit. How can you explain that? You know, and I talked through it. I, you know, I told him I've always moved up when I moved and I think I've left the place better than when I started there. And, and I'd said, you can talk to any one of those, any one of my bosses and they'll tell you the same thing and they wish me luck. And, and he came back and said, well, it just seemed to me, it seems like you're a fourth string quarterback that, never gets the starting job and you jump around from team to team. Wow. And I was like, you know, I was, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was pretty taken back. I was like, you know, thinking in my head, like that's pretty insulting. And then, that, and then, um, so I didn't flip out or anything, but yeah, I think we've all had ended, those. We've all, we've all had those interviews that just don't feel right and just don't go well. Yeah. Yeah. It did not go well. And, um, but I kind of was, you know, I was thinking about it after the interview and I guess the turning point at that instance is I, you know, I had one of two decisions. I could, you know, take that for what it's worth and, 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 you know, or take it to heart essentially and try to, you know, maybe get discouraged and maybe, you know, I can't be at this place or maybe I can't be at that level and, you know, kind of let it get to me you know, or I could trust myself that, you know, I disagree with him. I guess it reminds me, and I, I like to tell that story too, because being a CFO or, or a leader of a company, I never knew how many times that I would be in situations where you gain as much information as you can and, you, you know, you, you use the resources around you. But in the end, you're kind of isolated 
and you got to you got to be able to trust yourself and your decisions and so that you know that was kind of my first experience where i had to keep moving forward and and it comes up again later so yeah and i mean throughout our lives we're all told no probably a million times and it's important yeah. that we're able to dust ourselves off and pick ourselves up and keep going yeah exactly and it's not always easy so no it's not so i'm sure taking over the top finance position can't be easy and quick wins are always nice so for the benefit of other new cfos out there what were some of the low-hanging fruit you went after immediately and is there anything you wish you'd done differently from the start absolutely i think there's some easy things you can look at that i don't think a lot of companies do well or they struggle with the first thing i think of is improving processes you know, such as the month end close and that, you know, that might be a CFO item or a controller item, but man, there's a lot of companies that struggle with that. And I think a lot of people will hit, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think most companies struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you can't, you can't change that by yourself either. And I think that's the tough part. And then you also got to communicate to the leadership, the president or whoever it may be, the value in it. And, you know, you got to tell that person, man or woman that, hey, how would you like to see these numbers two weeks earlier? And the biggest thing is if the people that are making the decisions can see them two weeks earlier, they might be able to make a decision before it costs them too much. So I think going after that, like the month end close and finding different ways to do things. I think is a great start, you know, more specifically with the month end close. And I've taken CP courses on this and they never really come out and explain it. But the way I see it is you have to get accounts payable and accounts receivable closed first. And that's a lot of times not what the CFO is doing. So getting invoices approved on the AP side and then also getting your billing done on the AR side. So there's no one way to do that. Every company's different, but it's, it's more of a mindset that, you know, people don't need two weeks to approve invoices. You need to get everybody on board approving invoices daily. And if the work's done, you need to get everybody on board that we need to bill right away. And these things are so funny because like you said, most companies have such a hard time with it. And, and what you're trying to do by speeding this process up is you're not adding any more work. You're just having them do it earlier one month and then they get just as much time the next month to do it. So I think a lot of CFOs and controllers will hit roadblocks, but it definitely is possible. Public companies have to do it, you know, especially, you know, companies that roll up into other companies. That's a big deal. So finding ways to do that, that month close, I think is, is a really good low hanging fruit to work on and try to improve. And it's measurable, which is really nice. You know, you yeah. can see when the financials were kicked out and you can, I don't know, just start with a day or two. Absolutely. And, and, try and, to get to that point. and like you said, I mean, getting information to decision makers sooner is so critical these days. Yeah, exactly. I've been, I've been in the construction industry most, most of my career and I've been in where we were going through the close process and it came up to where we had 10 extra, you know, is maybe a 50 man job and it, but it was only, it was bid at 50 and we had 60 guys on the job site cause I was going over the labor hours 
And I brought that up with a project manager, whoever it may be, and they were able to send those guys elsewhere. Otherwise, if we didn't catch it, you know, that's 10 guys on the job site for two or three weeks that we didn't need. And it would have cost the company money and we could have lost money in the job as well. So. Yeah. And I'm sure those quick wins are good at like boosting your morale. I mean, especially in the early days when things seem difficult and obstacles seem unsurmountable. Yeah. Because the change, change is tough with a lot of people. And I, and, and, you know, you asked, you know, what maybe something I would have done differently. And I thought of, you know, with this and, and with implementing change, you know, I'm just an impatient person and I, I want to fix stuff right away and problem solve. And, you know, I think I did a good job of listening and, and trying to find the right way. But I think there was always room to improve on how I brought up that change. And I think maybe be more sensitive or, or conscious of how I'm coming off, I think would have helped me, you know, and, I, and I'm trying to help in general, but you know, someone coming in that's new, it might not always seem that way. So I just, I always want to be conscious of that. Yeah, I think you're right. The change is the hardest part of almost anything people do is just, you know, setting their, their mind right with it. Yeah, exactly. It's scary. It's, it's, I'm smiling because it's just so funny how scary it can be. Yeah. Um, I just recorded a, a, a pod, an entire podcast on kind of managing through change. And uh, yeah, it's something people fear almost more than anything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Then it's, then it's more people than just us do that. Yeah. <laughs> definitely uh, is. One other low hanging fruit that I've thought of is the evaluating those financial business relationships, looking at, you know, you have, your insurance broker, you have your bank, you have your accounting firm, and those are really your partners. Those, those people can really make you look really well. And if you're using them as resources and I, I always pin it down to, you know, I kind of measure that on three different things. I, I, I think about quality first, you know, service after that, and then price after that. And if you can establish yourself and find ways to use those relationships and, you know, improve on those things, that can be a big help for you. So, and it also, you know, you get down to price, you can also save the company money too. So, you know, you asked about a challenge being a newer, um, newer CFO, and that was a big challenge coming into this role, kind of evaluating that out and figuring out what the what I need what the company needs and you know a lot of times I was able to lay out the expectations what I was looking for and they responded quickly and you know with one of the business relationships it did not go that way we were being overcharged they weren't getting back to me I don't know if it was because I was new or young they acted like I was working for them and not the other way around. So that was a challenge, you know, reestablishing that, Hey, you've been with us for 20 years. I want to talk about how we're going to make it work the next 20 years. And, you know, with one of the relationships, it didn't work out and we were able to bring in another, another group that does a better job, does a more quality job, costs a lot less too. So. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think some partnerships, just like some employees become just, 
complacent and a little too comfortable. So you're right. I mean, it's a good idea to always be looking at them and making sure they're the right fit. Right. Exactly. Um, Okay. So then after some of the quick wins, what were some of the midterm goals you set for yourself? Yeah. And I I would say midterm goals are the ones I'm thinking about right now. The biggest one I'm worried about and I want to get, you know, uh, in better position is our finance group. And we're kind of the things I think about are the future and cross training. I think we got some good people here. We do. It's a great team, but we definitely coming in here. We had some exposure where if one person went down, we'd be, it would be pretty tough. And then also, so that cross training, I think is a really big deal and you can't do that day one, you know, that takes time. So getting people on board with that cross training. So we're in a better shape. If even if someone wants to take a vacation, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can attest to this. You know, I have accounting employees here that haven't taken a full week of vacation off in years just because they're so pigeonholed. So that's, that's one thing I think about that we're trying to work on right now is cross training. And then also what is, what does your group look like in five and and 10 years? Where, where are people moving to, you know, is there going to be an opening? You always like to promote within with an opening. So I think as far as a a midterm goal, that's one of our biggest ones. Yeah, well, that's great. And like you mentioned the cross training, I think so many of these processes exist only in people's heads. And so it starts to become impossible for them to leave work because nobody else knows what they do. So I think that's great advice. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I don't, I don't think nobody likes doing it, but doing some of those um, procedure manuals and things like that. So when someone does take over, they can kind of follow a list. And that's another change item that people aren't always comfortable with because it makes them feel like they're being replaced and they're not. Yeah. Um, it's just, we need to have a plan in place. So. Yeah. Do you ever want to take a day off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so as a young CFO and a new one, how did you win the trust of others on the leadership team and how do you get your point across and persuade those around you? Yeah, I don't, to be honest, I don't know if I could say I have like 100% trust of the whole leadership team. You know, I, I think I'm off to a great start. I think they would say they're pretty happy, but building that trust. And that's kind of what you talked about moving up quickly. I think to fully have that trust, that that does take time. You know, you could just knock it out of the park your first six months and it's not like they're going to hand everything over to you. And that's, you know, that's something I got to remember too, is be patient, you know, gain some experience with this company and gain that trust. But what you can do while you're gaining that and gaining that experience is I think can keep on continuing to find ways to add value and, keep on looking at ways to make life easier for everyone else and provide more more information to help them do, do their job. And not just, you know, not just the people you work for, the people that work for you, the people in different departments, you know, make yourself valuable and really helping it. I I think just by showing that you care and that you're bringing good ideas and backing it up, I think that that trust will, will come sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I, th- I, think, um, I think you mentioned earlier, just making, you know, your boss's life 
easier and like those on the leadership team making decisions for them fat like uh, giving them the information to make the faster decisions and make their life easier yeah exactly and the second the second part of your question is such a good question too how do you persuade others you know i don't always you do got to be good at it you got to communicate effectively but i think the thing you try to keep in mind is that you bring up things like you said, like we're talking about that can add value. And if you want to make a change, you have to back it up with how is that going to help the company? How is it going to help you? You know, can you put some uh, a tangible or um, financial measurement on it on how it's going to help, you know, have that see where you got to try to show them how it's going to affect and, and make things better. And you do that the best way you can. And sometimes they're still going to be like, Nope, I don't want to do it. And then at least you tried. And then if, you know, if something goes wrong later, you can, you can bring it up politely and, and tell them, you know, or ask them, are you ready to try it yet? And, uh, but that, that comes with, you know, having a good leadership team. And I have that here where, you know, they're open to listening and, and trying different things. And, 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 yeah, be ready for questions too. You know, kind of anticipate what questions might come up with it. So I yeah. think that's the best you can do. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it's got to be collaborative. And like you said, there's gives and takes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And lastly, so many times finance departments can end up being siloed from the rest of the organization. And, you know, they're reporting only on historical results. So how do you suggest that we can work together with operations to improve our organization's performance? Yeah, what I mean, what a great question. Because I just think that it's, this is an issue in so many places. And I, you know, I just, I'll, you know, I'll answer the question the best way I can. But, you know, I just think, I think of one company that I worked for, it was a $500 million construction company. I was the controller there. And it couldn't have been more siloed. I don't even know if anybody in finance, I think the top position was called like a finance director. I don't even know if he talked to anybody in operations or, or things like that. And, and what we had to do in the construction industry is you, you know, you have a whip calculation and you need to work with the project managers on how to adjust that at least monthly. And and that's about, and, and you have to do that to get your job done, but it, it could have been such a good opportunity to help out the company. I mean, I, I honestly was in a situation where we saw the company losing millions of dollars and they just would not listen to us. And it was so frustrating because it's just like, what are you doing? And, and even, you know, let's just say there was other meaning behind it or reasoning behind it. Like, at least have that conversation. So it was extremely frustrating. I think a lot of companies go through it, but maybe to answer your question, the biggest help is you got to have the relationship at the top. Um, you got to try to build wherever, well, that, that's going to help extremely. And, and for someone that's not at the top, try to build your relationships where you're at, you know, in the middle at the bottom and, and, and try to build that rapport and keep trying to find ways to add value. And, I'm just, I think companies get stuck because it's almost like the operations or leadership group 
I think there's situations where they, they think it's an insult because you're trying to correct something they're doing. And, you know, it's business to a certain extent. So you can, you can worry about people's feelings and stuff, but if we're talking about a lot of money, you know, my position is I'm always going to keep bringing that up and I'm always going to keep trying to find ways. And, And hopefully you're in a spot where, you know, leadership and, and other departments are willing to listen. And, and you're willing to listen to them too, to see where they're coming from. Yeah. It's such a hot topic these days is becoming a strategic CFO. And in order to do that, you know, you can't operate in a silo. You have to be involved with operations as well. Right. Right. It's so important. I, and I don't know for any, anybody wanting to come up, it is turning into more of a strategic role and you're, you are getting more involved and they're being used in different ways and, and, you know, in the right culture and the right company, you know, hopefully that's the case. And I, I think it makes the job more fun. So. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, Dustin, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I thought it was, it was such a cool idea to, you know, bring CFOs on and, and talk about these things. Cause you know, as, as professionals, we're so siloed. So it's good to listen to other CFOs and get good ideas and, and talk about these items. So I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you and I always love learning from and about people who've been successful in their careers. So thank you for your time today. No problem. Thank you. Uh And to all of our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed today's topic as well. Until next week, I wish you all healthy and happy days ahead. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.